Welcome everybody to season one, episode nine of Create Consume Podcast. I'm Joe Bowers, your host, and I'm just glad to have you here. I started this podcast about a year ago and started this search for the ultimate creative process about a year ago. And I did it because full transparency, full vulnerability, authenticity, I was in a creative funk. And I realized that my process needed some examination and I needed to see what all my best creative associates were doing that was different than me. Why were they producing such good stuff? And I couldn't even get my shoes on creatively, it seemed like at the time. So I started this podcast, started interviewing them, and it was very inspiring. I named it Create Consume because I felt like I already kind of had an inkling that that was the secret to the ultimate creative process purely spending as much time every day deliberately choosing what you were going to consume and what you were going to create with presence of mind and extreme amounts of effort and discipline. And the truth is I'm finding out that that's pretty true. Like creating and consuming deliberately and being very good at both of those phases of the process is the secret. You need to spend a lot of time in each one of those things. And when I, when I talk about consuming, by the way, I'm not just talking about like inspiration, not going to the museum a bunch of times, although that's definitely part of it. But I'm also meaning like being deliberate about who you choose to spend your time with, who, what route you take to work, always being present enough in your head to know what input is going into you, because that is what is going to eventually make us go in the output. Input equals output. We have so many choices every day about what we create, what we consume, and being very deliberate and practicing making those choices perfectly are the reps that creatives have to do in order to grow and become stronger. I still think that that's a huge part of the ultimate creative process, but as I was studying people, I realized that they were doing other things too. And I'm not just talking about the living people, but also the dead creatives and thinkers and philosophers that I've been studying. There's some patterns in their behavior. And following those patterns is what got me out of my funk. And it's been an incredible year for that reason. The insight that I've gained, the growth that I've experienced in the last year, it's been one of the most transformational years of my life. And I'm super grateful for it. The second season of this podcast is going to be focusing on those insights that I've gained. It's going to be renamed because Create Consume is only a small part of a larger ethos which I'm actually calling the caveman ethos because the principles in this philosophy of creativity, in this philosophy of the ultimate creative process are very simple and very primitive, meaning very old. And they're shared by people across histories, across cultures. Everybody from Alexander the Great, Ben Franklin, Andy Warhol, Plato, you name it. These guys have a surprising amount in common. And if you want to be a caveman creative, tune in this podcast. I'm going to be sharing a lot of the insights that I've gained as I gain them because I'm still learning. I'm still figuring this stuff out. I just have a good enough start at this point that I think it's time that I start sharing some of my insights and start sharing some of the habits and the rituals and the practices that I've incorporated into my life that have given me my mojo back. 
And hopefully, as we journey on this together, I get some feedback from you guys, dialogue from you guys, and we find some new stuff out together. And that would be cool. So this is the last episode of season one. Welcome. So glad to have you here. I hope it's been good for you so far, but I hope you also benefit from the new focus and the new direction that season two is going to be going. I feel very driven. I feel like this has a purpose now. I feel like we are going to make some large discoveries in creativity, in the science of it, in the art of it, and we'll hopefully all benefit and our work will become better. This week's season one, with me today for episode nine, I have Amy Leverton, who is a trend researcher and writer. With a special emphasis in denim, she knows denim top to bottom, and she is hired by some of the top denim companies in the world to consult with them and let them know what's going on and to talk to their design teams about what's going on. So what does this girl do to stay ahead of even the world's elite fashion design teams? We talk a little bit about that. We get to pick her brain a little bit. And you should really check her out and check out her books. They're on Amazon. They're called Denim Dudes and Denim Dudettes. That's also where you can find her on Instagram at Denim Dudes. And you should definitely check her out. She is not only brilliant, but she is a joy of a person. Just so nice to be around and uh, so full of life and energy. And I just really enjoyed sitting down with her. And I think you will too. So welcome again to the final episode of season one with Amy Leverton. I just really like, I like what you're doing as kids probably don't know exist, you know, a way to use their skill sets and a Mm -hmm. way to, to leverage their interests in a way that probably has never occurred to them. Yes, I would say so, because I didn't know existed either. (laughs) Like, Like when people, when people ask you what you do, what do you say? Well, when Uber drivers ask me, I always, because uh, it's always, uh, what I hate is when people ask, <laughs> when people ask me what I do and I tell them, what I hate is like, I, I don't want a conversation about jeans. Like, I, you know, <laughs> I'm sure pretty much everyone is in the same position where whatever they do for a living, they don't want to have a bloody conversation about it for like 20 minutes of the Uber journey. Um uh, I once had an amazing Uber driver in New York who was like, just bless him. He was like, ah, I know what Levi should do. Yeah. <laughs> and just this, this whole thing. Jeans for taxi drivers. I wear my jeans. I don't know what number they are. They have the number, like, you know, probably 501 or whatever. Yeah, they have the number. I like them. I, I, I wear them every day. I sit in my car. I'm comfortable. That's your, that's the next advert they should do. That is tell them, good. please tell them. Like, <laughs> It was very, very cute. Um, and he just would not, he was like, I can tell my friends, I can get, you should do that. Like, he was so like, please, please. And I'm like, okay, I just consult for them. And there's a marketing team. And okay, yeah, right. I'll make sure it happens, sir. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So when Uber drive, I guess, I guess I keep it very vague. I kind of say something like, 
I work in denim and jeans and then I, I don't like to say trend because people then go, well, what's next then? Right. And the trouble with what I do, which is what you will have seen, is it's not usually like about, I mean, I find it really hard to pull my brain down from the ceiling of what we talk about, um, you know, when, when I'm doing trend forecasting to the, to a freaking literal is it a straight cut or is it, I don't know, like it's, I'm coming across like an idiot because I'm like, I don't know what the people want to hear because the general people don't want to hear, I don't know, like um, even even like an upsized like silhouette, that's not what they want to hear. Like a, a, an average person just, I don't even know what they want to hear actually yeah. to be honest. But I think they just want to hear like, oh, have you heard of the, new maybe the new levi's wedgie like that that's probably like that you know something like that that's like basic you know a right. girl would want to hear about the wedgie or rib cage or one of those kind of fits maybe yeah or like ooh, acid wash is back or something i don't know but yeah when i say trend people then want to know what's cool in jeans and i and my brain just goes nope not gonna tell you like my brain just <laughs> freezes up and then yeah so i tend to just say something like i'm a denim consultant i work with different denim companies um and some a bit of design and a bit of consultancy and then i kind of leave it at that <laughs> you ever use, so you don't use the trend trend forecaster when you give your i try not to you try to avoid it yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have. A... I try and avoid it. Only in... you go for it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I was just gonna say I have, I have the same issues when people found out when back when I worked at Levi's, uh, they're like, "Oh, you worked at Levi's? Like, what's 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 next? What's happening? Like, you're working, you know, inevitably be like, oh yeah, you're working in two thousand, you know, spring two thousand twenty. What's happening in spring two thousand twenty? And I, and it's almost like that question when people ask you like, what's your favorite movie or what's your favorite song? And all of a sudden, you've never listened to music in your entire mm. life. You can't remember a single song you've ever heard. And it's just because it, I think the yeah. reason for that is because it is system overload. It's not that it's not a simple question. You have, particularly if you're trying to yeah. reach and resonate like the thousands of different niches out there in very different ways, uh, it's just too much information to give a short answer to. And so. 100%. Yeah. And especially and a Joe Bloggs kind of answer. Most people don't, you know, they, it's like with my brother. I mean, my brother's a bit more, um, he's, he's a kind of more of an average guy. Right. And it's really funny because like, I don't know, like seven, eight years ago and I was just like into, you know, into kind of like great outdoors. And there were a couple of really amazing books that were coming out. I forget what they're called now. And I was sort of really all into that. And there was like, um, Urban Outfitters did that whole. What was that called? Remember they did that whole section of their of their store that was all about like oh, fitness and yeah, outdoors and, and, and yeah. What camping. was that called? Yeah, the performance section. I remember I think it was that. Called. That whole. And you know, and then it's really interesting because then my brother will suddenly I go to visit his house and he's got that like outdoors book on his coffee table and I'm like, oh cool, that's where it's hit. Like, I, you know, he's got a good litmus test for like, oh, outdoors now, I see. Yeah. And it is like literally like, you know, four to five years later. Um, yeah. And it's funny because oftentimes I'm like, hey, you should check this out. And he's and you can tell he's just like, I will check it out when a friend of mine tells right. me about it. When, <laughs> you know, in three years, 
<laughs> you know, it it's is funny because it it's just like, yeah, it's not, he's not ready. He doesn't want to. He's not interested. Yeah, and it's and it's it's sometimes hard. Yeah, I mean, it's exactly that timeline thing. It's just you know, I have certain friends that ask me, and I'm like, you know what? I answered that question four years ago on my calendar, and. I can't remember what yeah. it was. <laughs> you know, I can't remember that answer. And now I'm like yeah. in three years in the yeah. future and I'm still don't really know. I just have to readjust my headspace to like, actually, I mean, it's so bad in, in yeah. design and fashion in general that, you know, I would, I routinely forget what year it is and it's embarrassing to admit, but like, I'm, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. we're talking about two yeah. years in the future I can't, I mean, daily. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's it. Like majority of your time, your headspace is in, yeah, in a couple of, yeah, two, 18 months or two years in advance. And so you just do forget. Yeah. Thank goodness. Nobody makes me write checks anymore. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But like, it's funny because I also weirdly sometimes get the date wrong by a lot. Like I go back too far well which is weird I don't know why I do that I either go forward too far or I go back too far I can't seem to because like for instance now I'm like I think so much of the time you're like because maybe I've worked on 2019 season I'm like oh we're in 2019 now like you know so I also get it that way round where I get stuck in the past as well um because I guess I've thought so intently about 2019 for so long I'm like really we're doing that now oh that's where we're living in that right now yeah. okay you know i kind of i don't know i get it, I get it mixed up both ways it's the perils um, of uh it's annoying of trend time travel which we're constantly doing and it yeah you get disoriented yeah, exactly. sometimes but it, it's also i mean i do like that game a lot i do like i mean the real the reality of uh design in these big companies like levi's is that you do really have to get adept at hitting the costco dad because he's the major majority of yeah. the buyers at Levi's and you ha- you can't alienate that group, but you also can't alienate yeah. the, you know, the mavens of culture and the influencers and all those people that are constantly feeding your, uh, your credibility to the next generation and the growing generation. And yeah. you're, you're playing that balance. Yeah, and that, that group is incredibly complex, incredibly multifaceted, um, which made, and I mean, yeah. I guess I should say the background, of you and I meeting is I attended one of, actually I attended many of your presentations at Levi's as a trend forecaster that we had hired as a consultant. Mm-hmm. And that's what made you so mm-hmm. valuable coming in there is that, you know, I couldn't always be so on top of all of the trends hardly ever. And even if I did think I was good, that input was incredibly valuable to see shine light on the different corners of the internet and culture that I just, there was no way, other way of me knowing what it was. So your service was incredibly valuable to come in periodically throughout the season and say, "Hey, remember Gucci? Forget it. <laughs> you know, like we're moving on. You know, doing those kind of things." Uh, yeah, true. I mean, I think also a lot of brands, and I think Levi's do this too. It's it's like having a a time and a place where you can talk about trend and think about trend, and then also just a confirmation as well, like. Like, I honestly think, you know, Levi's um, is actually, I, they're my favorite client because there's the brightest people. Like, I think they're the brightest bunch of people that I end That's up talking like to in a room. Well. And yeah, right. And, and the most engaged, you know, and um, obviously that keeps me sharp and it means that my game has to be like pretty tight. Um, and 
and my train of thought has gone <laughs> oh I guess yeah basically I just think <laughs> just zoned out there but yeah basically I think um I'm telling all of you guys what I think it's not that you don't know it, but you might have seen this, that, and the other, and you might know a lot of the references, but maybe I've just gone, oh, yeah, let's really, really think about that and what that means. And so what I love is when I was, you know, when I would talk to you guys at Levi's, is it would often just be a kind of like really nice, like equal conversation where we're like, oh, well, what about this? And what about that? And I've seen this or I've seen that and that would go into this and this would fold into that and da 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 da. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's often, often preaching to the choir. It wasn't like I was preaching to a bunch of people who were like, so what now? You know, yeah. um, I don't know you guys knew there. the references. You caught me, yeah, off, guard. Really? <laughs> you caught me <laughs> off guard many times. I'm like, no yeah. way is that actually happening. Is that really a thing? And then, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That's actually good. That makes me feel good because oh, I think with Levi's, it's often the case where, you know, you just think, oh, is this too old? Do they already know? And also working with Jonathan, I mean, Jonathan's amazing, but he actually knows everything. So yeah. um, I'm often, you know, it's good going through him because he's all, all, almost the test of like, uh, is this too old? Is this too, you know, is you know or or maybe it's not too old but what does it mean what am I getting at so um he's been really really good at um helping me uh really get a point of view and a and a dialogue and you know and yeah mainly just sort of hammering home what am I saying what is this presentation about this season he's he was really influential um or is really influential um to me in that way yeah I mean this is not the first time uh, I've shouted out Jonathan on my podcast, but yeah, super influential person, even for me oh, really? professionally. Yeah. He's a, he's a guy that I just wish I probably one of the biggest things I miss about Levi's is working with Jonathan and, and his just energy and his enthusiasm, uh, is off the charts yeah. and it's super fun to be around and yeah, very capable. And his intelligence as well. Mm-hmm. He just is very, very smart. So shout out Jonathan. And, yeah. And just, and also fun. This, yeah, this is how right? we'll know. Jonathan, yeah. Jonathan I, says he listens to my podcast and we'll now know if he if he hits me up in a couple of days and is just like, hey, I heard me getting shouted out. Yeah. But that's really funny. Um hi Jonathan. Yeah. Uh yeah, he uh <laughs> yeah, he he's um very positive and very and he's also quite childlike and fun sometimes, which is unusual for someone usually someone who has the other qualities that he has right are a bit boring right um and he's not that boring at all so that's <laughs> you know um, you were the first so, yeah. pers- you were the first um, person that introduced me to uh giorgio paviani you remember that hey i do remember that oh my god so i was in um miami a couple of weeks ago i'm literally picking you- up my phone because i've got to look at this now did you run into um, him? Because I, I didn't run into him. Oh, oh my god, that would be amazing. No, because I, I did. I ran into I him. What? That's what I was just going to say. Where? I, so I saw your presentation. You gave That's a, a better story. Introduced no, me to Giorgio Paviani. It wasn't that. I mean, it may have been two months later. I was actually doing uh, trend research actually in New York City, and I literally ran into him outside of my hotel room and got a picture with him. And he's actually been emailing me ever since, trying to get us to collab on something. Uh, him and actually, uh, you know, one of my clients, but yeah. So now I I am on wow. an email basis with uh, Uba Uba Butler is I guess his actual name. 
Yeah, okay. yeah, because he's also not Giorgio Feviani. He was also the shed in Dulwich yeah, as well. Yeah, he's the shed. That uh, restaurant. Mm-hmm. Well, and how funny! And oh it creates, creates issues because he's like emailed me these pitches where he's like, "Hey, I don't know if you're still interested, but I have this project that I think you'd be interested in," and he'll like give me this pitch, Ooh. and I'm just like. Uba, I'm not buying a word of this. <laughs> you are punking me 100%. And uh, I actually have that. That is so that. true. That is really, really funny. Yeah. Because he was like, is this a real thing or is this just. Yeah, I'm going to get embarrassed. Another. Vice Magazine. Um, no, thank you. Why don't you in a video? Um, no, I had a nowhere near as good story. All I was going to say is I was in Miami and I saw a hilarious shop called Vasani. <laughs> oh. um, the end of the story. So <laughs> not quite as good. <laughs> no, that still counts. That still counts. You'd love that. But yeah, I oh, owe it to you. I would have never have uh, I would have never stopped him and had that relationship had you not given me that presentation. And he was I I'll actually it's so funny because I think he's pretty. I mean, he's pretty well viral. Shout out Uba if he happens to listen to this. Uh, but, uh, which of course he does. Everybody listen. This is the most important podcast on iTunes. So of course he does. But, um, how long have you been doing podcasts for? Uh, it's been like a year, but it's been a really slow rollout. Um, we didn't really know what it Mm -hmm. was when we started and we're just kind of getting to the point where we do. And now it's like really picking up traction. Mm -hmm. But like I got, it was one of those things like I couldn't put down because people kept listening to it and people kept, uh, you know, clamoring for more episodes and nobody ever, nobody ever hits me up and is asking me where my work is with my, my traditional design work. But so this was the first thing people were like, Hey, when's the next episode? When's the next episode? I've, when's the next episode? So I was just like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta keep doing this. So it's, it's been, it's been fun. It's been a good thing to do. Um, but yeah, now I can't remember what I was going to say. Oh, I was going to say, I mean, it was pretty well viral at this point and very well known, but he was, stoked that i recognized him he was like blushing he was so excited that i was like you're oh, you're giorgio oh, peviani he's like you, you recognize me he's like yeah i did that and he's like telling me about it he was like kind of blushing and he's like you know i also did this thing like you know i i started this restaurant and like short i'm like yeah the shed and he's like oh you saw that too he was like so amazed so and it's always really refreshing yeah yeah it's always really refreshing when you talk to people that you admire their work uh you think they're really cool and you think they're just going to brush you off, but they're actually like genuinely stoked that you recognize them, that you like their work, and they're just so flattered. That warms my heart every time. And yeah, he was—he seemed to be a really I, humble guy. I think you know it's something that I—it's hard because I, I get a bit shy about talking to um, people like that. You know, I just don't go up to people. But we forget that actually, if people go up to us, it's really quite nice. And um, and I. And oftentimes it always ends positively, like, you know, this, uh, the Peviani situation. Um, because also I think like, yes, he is, he is sort of, he is known, but he's still only known amongst these kind of like niche designery creative types. You know what I mean? He's not, it's not like, um, you know, I don't know. I'm going to try and think of a, like, uh, I, I know, like, um, I mean, Kim Kardashian, you know, where right, every fucking right. person right. knows. Yeah, he's at the very least he's well known in the vice readership and a little bit outside yeah. of that which is a particular demographic yeah for sure and for we sure. obviously love it and oh, yeah. particularly in the fashion industry because i don't know what it was about fashion industry watching that video of him punking the fashion industry but 
we were yeah. eating it up, man. We all loved it so much. Yeah. Why do you think yeah, that is? It's, it's, it was brilliant. What the fact that we were eating up the, the fact that he was taking the piss out of the stupid system because we're in the system and it but is stupid. <laughs> you think that we'd be like offended though? You know, you know? You, we'd be like put out, like, oh, how dare you? You know, but that I did not see that reaction well, anywhere. No, but I think also though it might just be the area in which we're in, and I think like you know. I work in what denim and casual wear and right. the denim and casual wear industry is way less sort of like fashion, fashion and bitchy and True. you know, everything that you expect in fashion. Yeah. And I think that, um, and vacuous and all of the, you know, all of the stuff, yeah. all of the hard, the bad press fashion gets. And I guess if you think about it, most people like to think that they're not in that industry. Most people like to think, oh, and they can, they can just like laugh at the other people who are in right. that part of the industry. Um, and so I think no one actually thinks they're, you know, they're, they're, they're the guy that he's laughing at. There will be people out there who are definitely the guy that he's laughing at for sure. <laughs> but yeah, that's why I think we can laugh along with it because we're like, oh, those fuckers, you know, <laughs> pity these yeah i can definitely Um, relate to that because i always i've always i mean i've never considered myself necessarily a fashion designer my background's industrial design levi's is like really Mm -hmm. my first traditional fashion design job so it was i felt certainly like an outsider being able to make fun of everybody but i was i mean and also like some of the some of the things that were like done for dramatic effect like i remember this uh the moment where he like goes in and just to like push the boundaries of seeing how tolerant everybody is of like art fashion or artistic expression he puts on a dress right and he like walks around in a dress and everyone's like oh that looks really mm-hmm. nice on you and it's like kind of there's a pause in the other <laughs> thing like how ridiculous this guy's like clearly taking a piss and just like putting on dresses and i'm and it was also kind of like tender it's like man how great is that that that's what fashion is it's just like there's no limits like you yeah do whatever you want like we're not going to make fun of somebody that is so it's actually very, um, what's the word, inclusive, you know, fashion. I think, and, and fashion people are very open-minded, you know. I don't think, at the end of the day, a lot of creatives and fashion people, they're open-minded because they're curious people, right? And they're always right. looking for, like, the new interesting thing. And if you're a curious person and you're looking for the new interesting thing, you can't be narrow-minded. Totally. Um Funnily enough, Sam, who I work with, um, you know, on Denim Dude stuff, he interviewed a dude from designer from Helmet Lang um, this evening, or yes, oh, wow. yeah, this evening, a few hours ago in England. So this evening, you know, the, you know, I'm sorry, <laughs> the this evening in England, <laughs> we got it. And um, we <laughs> talked a little bit about denim, like denim dudes, I guess, De- you know, like denim heritagey denim people. Right. And it, it was interesting because he was kind of like, you know, he was worried about what he said. And then Sam's like, oh, no, 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 don't worry. We feel the same. Um, and, and it's something that I don't really like. I mean, obviously, with Denim Dudes, it is quite, um, it is, it is quite heritage. It's quite heritage scene, I guess. And when Denim Dudes, the actual book came out, it was sort of like at the height of heritage. Um, mm-hmm. But I very much like made sure that when I chose the people for the book, it wasn't just all of those heritagey guys wearing the same thing. There was a right. breadth. Um, and what's interesting is that the heritagey guys 
still latched onto it and really probably just saw what they wanted to see, you know. Well, denim, but denim is those... so heavy in the heritage world. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It, it just, that gravity of heritage is immense. And at Levi's, and I'm sure with you, it's like, yeah. doesn't matter how hard you pull away from it, it you're still going to like come back and return to that orbit. That's just the nature of it. With denim and heritage, it's yeah. just so connected. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. But the people that don't like, it, uh, the people that I find difficult, shall I say, yeah. is the people who are narrow-minded in that way. So, okay, like there's a guy who used to work at Levi's called Miles Johnson, who um, he used to head up the XX team and he did like Maiden Crafted and, and LVC mm -hmm. um, back in Amsterdam when it was in Amsterdam. Now, he arguably knows more about, you know, um, vintage um, vintage Levi's and heritage you know the, the, the history of Levi's and all these amazing heritage pieces and all these amazing archival pieces he spent a lot of time in those archives he knows a huge amount you know and also just about fabric and patina and what you know what fabric is going to give what wash down he's a total get denim dweeb but he dresses really fucking cool and fresh and you know like in Denim Dudes, he's in Denim Dudes, he's wearing this, you know, old, beautiful, probably, I think it's an XX, like, you know, vintage um, Levi's um, jean. And then, you know, he's got on Capital and he's got on a Mickey Mouse bag and he's looking super eclectic. <laughs> um, and to me, the epitome of a, who I think a Denim Dude is. But there is this other wave of the kind of um, the forum reading um, Reddit dudes um who are very 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 narrow-minded and yeah. i just find that so boring i'm just like okay look you can have you can you can think that a selvage white oak uh you know cone denim is the epitome you're allowed to do that you're allowed to obsess over like japanese denim you're allowed to do that you, we all have our favorite shit and to learn and to be knowledgeable about the product you're buying and to geek out on it and to enjoy it is fucking brilliant. I love all of that. But to the point that you're ostracizing or criticizing other people for having different views or wearing different things, or like I remember taking a risk. I wrote something for Head Alt one time. Yeah, it's it's just, yeah, like, so narrow-minded. Um, I wrote something for Heddles about um, stretch denim, mainly just to fuck with them, mainly right. just to be like, <laughs> let's see the comments. And there were so many negative comments. And it's just like, dudes, if you work in denim and you're interested in denim and this is your world, you're interested to know how stretch innovation is progressing. Doesn't mean you ever have to wear this or ever have to buy this. If you're truly a denim head who's interested in denim, just be open-minded and just learn, you know? Yeah, amen. And I think that comes back to like the, the what we're talking about earlier with, you know, the perceived elitism of fashion and how underneath that perceived elitism is actually a lot of tolerance that you wouldn't expect. And it's, it's because the standards are different and that's where the confusion happens. It's the elitism in fashion and in, in basically all creative spheres, the things that, you know, put the creative spheres kind of apart and kind of alienate people sometimes is that they are, they do get really annoyed by people who are being basic. And it's not, it's not the basicness that is annoying. It's boring. That's the only standard I think with most creatives is just don't be boring. Mm -hmm. Everything else is okay. Even if you're going to be a purist, if you're going to be like 
so purist that you're taking it to another level that I've never seen. I am no longer bored of that. Like that's, I am stoked on that. As long as you're not yeah. boring me, I am down. And, and uh, I think that's where a lot of people get, you know, turned off by creatives of being like, Oh, you just think you're a cool kid. I'm like, no, I'm just, you know, I know that guy doesn't actually think he's cooler than you. He's just bored of you. <laughs> and that's the problem. And, er- and everybody can be and interesting. I think for me also, it's just like, it's, it's not so much. I just think they are acting like they are better than you. You know, that's what right. pisses me off. It's actually this feeling they, this, it's my way or the highway, this superiority right. complex about it has to be this Japanese denim or, or fuck you kind of thing. And that to me is the now that to me is very narrow minded. It's just like, if you're truly interested in, in this industry, just just chill out for a minute and just learn and just have fun with it and like you can you can make your choices and you can choose to wear the denim that you choose to wear but don't be cruel to other people online um not doing the same that's for me like it's almost like the elitism going the other way you know it totally does Um, go the other way and i think like and, and that's the thing. It's just like, you know, when people think about people in the fashion industry of being like, oh, she's wearing, you know, a Topshop jean or whatever. Like, actually, I think mostly creative people are the most open minded. So they're the least likely to actually make a judgment about what you're wearing. It's actually a lot of other people who are less open minded are more likely to make these judgments. Yeah. And, um, and the great, but the great- that's not to say there are Hmm? Oh, sorry. There's a little bit of a delay on this recording, so I keep accidentally re- interrupting you. But, <laughs> but uh, I, uh, yeah, there's. I, I think the best example of that with doing all our consumer research, both formal and informal, we do have to cross over a lot of these different, you know, cultural tribes. And again, I, I always mm. go back to the Costco dad is my name for that demographic, the pl- forty yep. plus, fifty plus, that you know, their their image is one that's solidified. And actually has been kind of aspired to now by trendy kids. Like dad shoes are a thing. Dad pants have been a thing. Like yeah. these, these are, we've actually gone and like <laughs> appropriated their culture, <laughs> the Costco dad culture and uh, the hip scenes yeah. for a bit. But uh, talking to them, you find out like they, their whole shtick in the Costco dad tribe is that they don't have a tribe and they're not trying, right? That's what they're trying to convince you with mm-hmm. their parents and that's what they're trying to mm-hmm. signal to their friends is that oh i don't care just like you guys mm-hmm. but you know why i know for a fact yes. that they do care is because when i was all hyped up on the dad stuff i was looking for their clothes and i couldn't find it anywhere you know like i was like where did you get those shoes i want to get those shoes i know that you looked hard to find those shoes because i can't find them you know <laughs> and like yeah exactly where did you guys go so yeah. i, I it, there's not like a costco dad stork that just like gathers up all the Costco dad supplies and drops it onto their lawn and delivers it to them. There's not a Costco dad like delivery service that I'm aware of. Like they went out and found this stuff and you can, t- and, and they had to work hard yeah, to do that. Exactly. They try harder than any of us. I yeah. don't have that kind of time. And you know, they tried harder than any of us. Cause if you if just try this experience, if you're, if your dad is a Costco dad, if anybody has a Costco dad, try to give him some non Costco dad shoes and try to get him to wear it to work. Like it will be a disaster. He'll never do it because he would never, ever, ever get caught that dead, dead. Like wearing like you know some Vans old schools, like or like some Yeezys. He would never get caught dead wearing that because he knows his his 
friends would, uh, you know, rip him apart. He cares more than anyone. And conversely, you know, his teenager kid that's like trying to be cool, would he'd wear all sorts of crazy shit to school and not not bat an eye. Yeah, that's true. He's very specific. Yeah, in his narrow narrow uh, view of what he wants to wear. Yeah, for sure. I think guys in general are a bit more. Like yeah, that. for sure. I mean, and me working in Maine's weather, it's like it's a quagmire. I mean, it's much better nowadays. Uh, I think the advent of like sneaker culture and internet culture and Instagram and all these stuff has has ushered in a generation of young men that, and just even adult men that now now that uh, you know clothes is kind of almost like the new baseball cards of collecting and trading and almost like value yeah. like it's almost like stock market trading for the for a lot of it, it's made it acceptable oh, to yeah, care yeah it's it's, and now it's like oh now there's an excuse now it's like oh now that i can flex on a friend now i can care about fashion <laughs> when it was before about like looking good or yeah. like showing how much you cared or how good looking you are it wasn't okay but now that we can actually use it weaponize our apparel against each other in like almost a you know almost in shit talking in a violent tribal way like now it's yeah. Thing. status yeah for sure yeah absolutely it's it's really interesting really and women's wear is just totally different level yeah i mean i i'm it's funny because i feel like in the last sort of five or so years i've been more excited by what's happening in men's um simply i guess because there's been so many more shifts you know so many more changes um like you say about you know the customer and and how um and their approach towards dressing and their approach towards actually getting on the fa- the fashion boat um, and I feel like women is, it's been a bit more consistent, you know what I mean? It's been a bit, bit, bit less movement going on in women's, um, I think. Um, oh, really? Interesting. Yeah, personally. I mean, but then I think again, it's, the thing is with me is I'm denim. So denim and menswear mm. are just so much more intertwined insofar as it's all about the smaller details, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, I'm, I just have always looked at men's menswear more than women's wear. Um, oh, it just sort of. Yeah, I mean, I guess you did. You did know. start with denim dudes before you went over to denim dudettes, right? I did that because it, it denim is a very masculine world. There are more guys that are celebrated in in the men's sector of denim than in women's, and it would have been it was just easier because obviously it was my very first book. It was easier to start with something that's easier, um, and uh, I and I knew that I was going to follow up with the women's book. Um, being a woman in denim, I thought it was really important, but I just knew that it would be an easier project to 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 find the guys. And then once you've yeah. got the guys and you've got the guys' book out there, the harder thing about finding the women would be easier because the first book book has come out, you know. So right. it was it, a strategic move in that sense, and it makes a lot of sense too. And it's a really great book. Oh, cheers. <laughs> Both of them, actually. I, I got a thumb through Denim Dudette's uh, a copy of it at Levi's before I left. And I, I loved every page. Really good work. Yeah, it's funny. I prefer women, the women's one. I do prefer the women's one. Um, I just, I prefer the graphic design, the layout design inside. Um, it was a different publisher. And, and, and the layout girl, oh, funny enough, she lived down the road um and uh and she just i don't know she with the with the colors and everything like that i think the content is more inspirational and i think the layout is better um and denim dudes 
Den of Dudes is a sign of the times almost. It was like it very much felt like with the publisher, for instance, they I had to stop them with a lot of stuff that they wanted to do. They were just more, they, they were a bit more, the first publisher, a bit more kind of like um, uh, less less contemporary, should we say? And so uh. their ideas about um, how it should look were very different to mine. So for, funny enough, from the very beginning, from before Denim Dudes even came out, I wasn't that happy with the way it looked. Uh, but, you know, what do you do? It's very difficult when you're going through a publisher and they're paying for everything and you just, you know, and it's your first book, so you're kind of like, okay, I'm just lucky to have this happening, so yay. Yeah, totally. Um, so, so it's not like I hate the I hate it, but I just I love the, all the images and the content. But um, you know, even the logo, like I, I I the logo is super recognizable now, and like the you know I've kind of gone into that little DD thing and stuff like that. All of that is stuff that I kind of like inherited from the first book that would never have actually been my choice. But it wasn't like so far from my choice that I mean I don't want to like diss the logo because the guy who designed it did really well and was really kind to me and has let me kind of right. like roll with it. Um, and it's super recognizable, but it's not what I had in my head. Right. You know what I mean? And that's just the nature of any creative project is that you know you're constantly growing and trying to level exactly. it up. And as soon as you uh, have leveled it up, you can see how it can get better. And then it annoys you until you can level it up. And then, it, then by yeah. the time you do level it up, you've grown so you can see how it could get better. It's a constant cycle of dissatisfaction. I was just going to say, yeah, dissatisfaction is a great thing. It's the thing that drives us, I think, um, onto the next project. And I used to have um, a boss who was, um, I mean, I think there's a lot of creatives who are also perfectionists. And it's good to be a perfectionist to a point. But it's also really good. We were very different. And my boss used to sort of like noodle, noodle, noodle around with um, a presentation for so long. And it's just like, you know what? Tomorrow you're going to find a better image, but you won't hand it in until tomorrow. Whereas today you can just hand it in and then it goes live on the site. And then we see, you know, other people right. get to see it other than us. And I think that's also really important for like creative people to think. It's just like, you're never going to be, I mean, there's things that are missing from Denim Dudettes. There's loads of things I could have done differently, but it's just like power it out, move forward and, and think about the next thing um, or else, you know, things don't get done. Yeah, do they? And absolutely. We just had an episode a couple of episodes ago where we talked about the value of launching ugly um, and just like how crucial it is. And, some of us are such perfectionists that if we didn't just bite the bullet and launch ugly, we would never make anything, you know? It, it hurts to yeah, launch things exactly. because we know how much better they could be. But you just got to keep going and, and get better on the fly. Um, I would love to do another episode on you. We're running out of time now, but and just focus actually just on the side of the fact that you're a published writer, you know, and talk about that actual process because I feel like that could be its own topic. Yeah, it's really interesting. I, I would be really that. curious. <laughs> yeah, I that's a big mm. No, it is. It's um very interesting. Um, I'm starting to work on my third book now, and it is very interesting. Um, the lessons I've learned along the way, and I mean, I haven't self-published before. Um, I don't, I'm still not going to self-publish for the next one. But I can see why people do. Uh, it's it, the pub, world of publishing is is really interesting. Um, it's an interesting area, and of course, these days you don't make any money. Like the books, I mean, you do make some right. money, but really not. 
Um, the books are 100% passion product projects um, and not really about um, uh, making money at all. I think maybe back in the day, books used to, but um, these days it's just something to do on the side as a, as a hobby. So, uh, yeah. I yeah and a hobby a and marketing for an idea. Like, books out. You know, it's just kind of a stake in the ground for uh, a concept or 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 an idea that you are trying to push as a creative and it establishes a level of credibility because that is a huge hurdle to get a book out is huge. And so it means that it, it gives us veracity to your point of view and your claims that is hard to challenge unless there's somebody else challenging you with a better, bigger and better book, you know? So that leads to a lot of strength and power as a creative uh, to, yeah. you know, you change your fees, your fees go Good up, point. you know, uh, if you're a consultant, uh, your speak people call you for speaking engagements, and those things pay sometimes pay a lot. Uh, so there, there's reasons for writing a book beyond just the book sales yeah. that you know reverberate throughout your career, and it contributes uh, and it exactly. contributes to a, a body of work on a topic and that you are now forever a part of. Yeah, definitely. It's led to a lot of things and it's led to a book. I mean, really, before the books, I didn't really have a voice. And then after right. the books, I did. And it was as simple as that. You know, I was just someone who worked behind the scenes. And, and and honestly, you know, like as far as the books, this is a whole nother topic. But actually being a woman in in this sort of men's world of denim um, was a part of that as well. It was a case of like, not, I you know, it wasn't. It wasn't that I was really experiencing dramatic sexism at all, but you do tend to like not really have a voice so, so much or not be spoken to on the level that you want to be spoken to. Awesome. And now not a problem, <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, there's many reasons why uh, it's great to put books out. That's good to hear. And I don't know if I've actually talked about it on this podcast and I've been, tr I've been trying not to, but I've actually been working on a book for a while and oh, I'm currently shopping through publishers and having good and bad experiences um yes. so that's so there's also some selfish reasons and empathetic reasons as a creative that has that on their mind i'm assuming a lot of my other readers might or sorry other yeah. listeners maybe soon to be yeah. readers have that mm -hmm. on their minds too so i'm sure they'd benefit um talking to you but amy thank oh. you so much for taking the time i know you're super busy you got deadlines like crazy so really appreciate you coming yeah Oh, I don't want to go back to if work. you don't mind uh <laughs> if you don't mind telling uh my listeners where they can find your work we've already mentioned your book denim dudes mm -hmm. and denim dudettes mm -hmm. where can they find that book um i mean both, both, books? both books are on i mean i hate to plug amazon <laughs> but they're both on amazon mm. it's the easiest way okay. because there's people from all over the world um often asking and it just seems to be the easiest way of getting hold of it but is it i mean both of them are in most bookstores it's funny i always get surprised when i kind of walk in somewhere and i'm like oh this one's here and that one's not and da, da, da. um so that's right. for that reason yeah on i mean any kind of online like barnes and noble whatever um lots of lots of bookstores sell, cool. sell both um so you can buy them online and then also i uh, I have my Instagram, Denim Dudes, uh, and Denim Dudettes. And we have a website as well um, So we, where we write about the denim industry and um, uh, we geek out quite a lot on that, that site, <laughs> <Very> actually. <cool. laughs> uh, we do interviews. Funny enough, I've interviewed 
Jonathan from Levi's and um, we did two big video interviews um, and I've been waiting because I can't put them out at the moment because of the IPO um, and hopefully any day now they, right. they will come out. Um, so uh, yeah, so there's yeah a few platforms that you can follow or buy a book or read some art- geeky articles about denim. <laughs> well, thanks again, Amy. And let's get back together soon, maybe, and talk about your experience as a, as a writer. Excellent. Yeah, will do. That'd be awesome. Thank you so much, Joe.